0: Welcome to the podcast that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell with your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman.
1: Pro wrestling students, class is once again in session. WCW 101 is the course, the history of world championship wrestling. Tonight, chapter three is the topic covered. From Jim Hurd to Robocop, we cover the Ted Turner era as it begins on episode three, chapter three. This edition covers some of the most controversial times and era. In WCW history, as the World Wrestling Federation rises as the number one pro wrestling organization in the world, Vince McMahon gets a call from Ted Turner to let him know he's in the wrestling business. Listen to audio featuring the nature boy, Ric Flair, Terry Funk, Ricky Steamboat. Jim Ross, and Sting, plus many, many more. We cover a transitional year, a transitional time for WCW, as there's a new leader in charge, and he wants to compete with Vince McMahon and the World Wrestling Federation. Little did we know how much change would come for WCW. After this quick break, we present Chapter 3 of WCW 101, recorded a few years ago, but back in seasonal format. Season 1, Episode 3, Chapter 3 of the History of World Championship Wrestling. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: I'm pretty stoked. A friend of mine told me about Gazelle.com. They paid me cash for my used iPhone. Cash I used to get my new iPhone? Before Gazelle, I would just keep my old phones in this drawer. Gazelle made it easy. Gazelle made it so easy. Shipping was free. Gazelle paid me fast. My phone was worth 150 bucks. What? Do yourself a favor. Get on your little www.gazelle.com. You can find out at Gazelle. It is a website. Welcome back to Beyond the Bell.
2: I'd like to uh, welcome the television audience as well as those of you in this room to today's press for world championship wrestling. Uh, we're very excited that uh, uh, finally uh, Ric Flair is ready along with his doctor to uh, make an announcement about his future. We quite frankly have been in a dilemma here at world championship wrestling uh, about what's going to happen to the world championship belt and the world championship for that matter and uh, I'm sure there's some a- questions that need to be answered uh, for those of you viewing uh, plus the press here but uh, first we'll we uh, we'll let Rick uh, Ric Flair uh, tune us in as to what his future plans are. Rick? Mr. Herc, thank you very much. <clears throat> well, as I stated
3: two weeks ago, this probably has been the most difficult period of my entire career. I... Uh, sustained an injury as I'm sure you're all aware that at one time I felt might take me away from a sport that has meant everything in the world to me. I'm here today number one to announce the fact that I am going to continue in the sport of professional wrestling and I'm here to ask a favor of Mr. Jim Hurd and that is that as the world champion I have to wrestle the top ten contenders, or one of the top ten contenders, and I have asked Mr. Hurd and World Championship Wrestling to sign a match between myself and Terry Funk. Uh, I made the decision actually five days ago to stay in this sport. I spent a lot of time with my doctor. I spent a lot of time with myself. And as a matter of fact, five days ago I took a long look at myself in the mirror and I said, Ric Flair, you better get up and you better get going. This has been the greatest sport in the world. I'm back in. I'm back in 120%. And I've asked Jim Hurd and the National Wrestling Alliance if they would grant me one special favor, and that's that on the 23rd of July, and I will not wrestle before the 23rd of July, if they will grant me a world championship title match With any stipulation they want With Terry Funk In Baltimore, Maryland Baltimore is a town that I think a lot of And I want to start back As the world champion, the 23rd And I want to show the wrestling world Why I have been Where I have been the last 8 years Thank you very much Thank you Mr. Hurd.
2: Well there you have it Ric Flair has decided to come back Along with the approval of his doctor And we're very happy about it uh... we'll sign the papers here terry funk obviously and i know some of the fans out there are wondering uh, rick flair's contract has a clause in it that uh, lets him approve uh... one of the top ten uh, that uh, he will defend the championship with so we have given him that opportunity to go against terry funk there's some other questions that i know that a lot of the fans have been asking about why uh... we would allow terry funk to uh... do some of the things he's done we've We've reprimanded Terry, we've fined Terry, and we've thought about suspending him, but this uh, puts a whole new light on what we're doing. Uh, He is a former world champion. Uh, It's a free world out there, and Ric Flair, as we've known him over the years, is prepared to defend the title against anybody. So I think the fans are entitled to see this uh, uh, bout, and I think uh, Rick is very, very concern that uh, Terry has tarnished his image and I'm pretty sure that he's going to try to, to rectify that on July 23rd. Thank you very much.
4: Professional wrestling was one of the earliest shows to be broadcast on Ted Turner's WTBS station based out of Atlanta when Turner began transmitting his station across the country to cable companies. Georgia Championship Wrestling became one of the most popular shows on the station. Due to the larger audience, the name of the show was changed to World Championship Wrestling in 1983. Then in 1984, the TV time was bought by Vince McMahon for his expansion of his WWF promotion. The WWF control of this time slot lasted less than a year as Vince ended up selling the time to Jim Crockett Promotions. Crockett tried to run a national promotion, but was plagued by misfortunes. Bad booking decisions, the loss of Magnum TA in a car accident, acquisition costs of several other wrestling promotions, and the guaranteed contracts all combined to put the promotion on very thin ice financially. After major losses on Crockett's first two ventures into pay-per-view, Starrcade 87 and Bunkhouse Stampede, Jim Crockett Promotions had to sell or go bankrupt Ted Turner walks in not waiting to lose one of his highest rating programs showed interest in buying the promotion it was known or it's been under the table or it's been not credibly known or they haven't given enough credit that TBS was built off of professional wrestling so like we said Ted Turner didn't want to lose one of his highest rated programs Thus, he's showing interest in buying WCW. It almost didn't happen when Ric Flair nearly quit over problems with booking decisions made by Dusty Rhodes. Without Flair, Turner would not have bought the promotion. He needed Flair. The promotion sided with Flair, and Jim Crockett Promotions became the Turner-owned World Championship Wrestling. The WCW promotion began in November of 1988. At the time of the sale to Ted Turner, WCW remained affiliated with the National Wrestling Alliance. After the the departure of Jim Crockett, Jim Herd was given control over WCW. Herd came on he came on the scene from a non wrestling background, not knowing much about politics and how much is played in the wrestling industry in the political game. He put Ric Flair in charge of booking as Dusty left. So
5: We're trying we to, to up. take this break. We can't take this break. We, we have to. We we'll be back. back. Don't go away. We'll keep our cameras taping. Don't go away. We'll be right
4: back. In terms of the action, in mid-January of eighty nine, Rick Flair and Barry Windham have been ganging up on Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. A match on WCW Saturday show pits Flair and Windham against Gilbert and a mystery partner. The crowd goes wild when Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who was newly arrived from the World Wrestling Federation, joined Gilbert and Penn's flair in the middle of the ring. In 1988, NWA's number one promotion, Jim Crockett
6: Promotions, was home to thrilling championship matches. But its success in the ring didn't translate into financial gains bad business decisions, lost the company millions of dollars, and Crockett was forced to sell his company to Ted Turner. World Championship Wrestling was formed, and the NWA Champion was now referred to as the
2: WCW Champion.
7: In the late 80s, Ric Flair had a succession of some amazing matches that a lot of people this very day still talk about. Flair got into a situation where he renewed an old rivalry with Ricky Steamboat. I really, really enjoyed
3: being in the ring with him. He was he was off the hook. His level performance was second to none. Flair
8: has turned the corner! He
5: twists the leg! Inside! With an inside cradle! Get him! Yes, he can! Ricky the dragon
9: steamboat! That's one-to-one! win the World Heavyweight Championship in our profession, you've reached, you know, the golden ram. The
5: new world heavyweight champion, Ricky the Dragon,
3: Steve <laughs> I cried. You know, it was, uh, it was a memorable moment.
7: That rivalry continued until Flair and Steamboat migrated to Nashville. Steamboat's got him up! A slam! But Flair inside, great! One, too. He did it! got ah! him, and Flair
5: has done it!
7: Flair has done it! A lot of people believe it was one of the best matches ever.
3: We had a great time working with each other, unbelievable chemistry, and he was, and to this day, just a humble, great guy.
0: Then there was occasionally maybe Alex Luger would get in or a, something over here for short term. A
5: new heavyweight champion of the world
7: has been crowned. But Flair has basically dominated the professional wrestling world as a world's champion.
0: Nobody ever really outdid Flair. He was the man.
4: A feud is born between Flair and Steamboat. Fans were treated to several great matches between the two over the next four months with Steamboat winning the title at the February Shy town Rumble, a classic best two out of three falls match at an April Class of Champions show, and Flair regained the title in May at the WrestleWar pay-per-view. The show ends with Flair being attacked by Terry Funk, who was one of the ringside judges, The war between Funk and Flair would carry WCW through the rest of 1989. Meanwhile, Jim Hurd was acquiring a lot of talent for the promotion. Sting was already there, and he had a wild feud with a newcomer by the name of The Great Muda. Other newcomers were Flying Brian Pillman, Tom Zink, Scott Hall, Mean Mark Callis, the Samoan SWAT team, and a new team wrestling together for the first time at the Great American Bash by the name of the Steiner Brothers. While the WWF is better known to the general public, the serious wrestling fans were watching WCW in the late 80s.
8: The World Heavyweight Championship is on the line in Baltimore on July 10th. Ric Flair, we've heard from Lex Luger. What do you have to say?
10: Well, David Crockett, let's talk about what's really on the line. We're talking about the greatest commodity in professional wrestling today. We're talking about the National Wrestling Alliance taking this whole country by storm eight days from today. We started out in Orlando, Florida, and God knows how I love the women in the state of Florida. But brother, between the 26th of June, we're talking Charlotte, we're talking Dallas, we're talking Tampa, we're talking Miami, and then Luger, then Luger, we're talking July 10th, Baltimore, Maryland, we're talking about the world's heavyweight championship, and let me take this opportunity to explain to this vast American public what's coming down in Ric Flair you are looking at the man that this sport whether you like it or not has revolved around for six years simply because whether you like it or not I have been your world's heavyweight champion. Now, the great American public sees this awesome structure of a man. 6'5 to 80, the greatest physique of any athlete alive today. So, the imagination of the great American public says this is finally going to be the guy to take flare-ups it's the end of rick flair he can ride on his boat he can drive his cars he can count his money but he's not a wrestling because we all know that rick flair will never be second best rick flair lives and dies for wrestling so they also know that rick flair will settle for nothing less than a one Two, three. No dispute. Ric Flair, because his ego is so vast, has to beat Luger. He has to beat the man they're calling now the greatest challenge of all time. Well, July 10th in Baltimore, Luger, it's for all the money, all the prestige, all the glory. But the bottom line is to be the man in the greatest sport in the world, you gotta beat the man. And between now and July 10th, we're talking the Great American Bash. And you ask the road warriors, you asked up the roads. My friend, those stitches you got right now, I love because we will see to it. You paid a price long before
8: Baltimore. Woo! It's for Baltimore.
4: As the year went on, Ricky Steamboat would leave in August as he and Heard could not come to terms. Amazingly, Steamboat's gone less than a year after joining and only a few months after the classic matches between him and Flair. This becomes an omen of things to come later. It also threw off the booking as Lex Luger had turned heel in June to feud with Steamboat. The feud between Flair and Funk was the focus of a hot Great American Bash show in July. The show ends with a wild fight between Flair, Funk, Muda and Sting. These four wrestlers would be intertwined for the most for mostly the remaining part of the year including the first Halloween Havoc, which we discussed on a previous edition of BTB, featuring the Thunderdome cage match. An angle with Terry Funk putting a plastic bag over Ric Flair's head goes too far and is never shown again on television.
7: Ladies and gentlemen, as we all know, the Big Class of Champions 9 event live as it happens on November the 15th, right here on TBS, the Superstation, New York Knockout, live from Troy, New York, the main event, a non-title event with I Quit Rules, Nature Boy Ric Flair, the final confrontation perhaps with Terry Funk, but I understand you've got something to say to Ric Flair and you want some special stipulation. Get
9: that smirk off of your face, Ross. I know that you realize what happened in the Thunderdome and you think that I let JTEX corporation down and so do all you people out there. Let me tell you something, the NWA is not big enough for myself and Ric Flair. That's why I suggested an I quit match. I hate his guts. Ric Flair hates my guts, but I'll say one thing to Ric Flair. Ric Flair, you're a tough individual, and you are about as tough of an opponent as I've ever gone up against. And it's not big enough. This area is not big enough. This country is not big enough in wrestling, and that's why I want you in an I Quit match. But after it's over with, let's make this the final match. And if you beat me, I will walk across there and I will say to you, Ric Flair, you are the better man.
7: You mean you'll shake his hand and say he's the better man if he beats you?
9: If he beats me, I will walk across the ring and say that to
4: him. But if I beat him, he has to do the same to me. The feud between Funk and Flair is ended when Flair defeated Funk in an I Quit match in November which then begins a feud between Flair and Gary Hart's J-Tex Corporation, which consisted of Muda, Buzz Sawyer, and the Dungeon Master.
7: Ladies and gentlemen, as we heard earlier from Terry Funk, the big main event at the Clash of Champions 9 New York Knockout, that event you can see live as it happens right here on TBS on November the 15th. The main event will be an I Quit match, where to lose the match or to win the match, You must make your opponent say, I quit. I've had enough. That's the only way the match can be won. Ric Flair and Terry Funk, the final chapter in Troy, New York, but an interesting sidebar to this. Earlier today, he said that if you made him say, I quit, that he will walk across the ring and shake your hand and admit to the world that you are a better man.
3: Well, I find that very difficult to believe, just as I'm sure you do. Last time I shook his hand. I spent seven days in the hospital and two and a half months out of this sport. So, Funk, the world knows the ground rules
10: now. It's I quit. No title on the line, just integrity and your very manhood. At best, think about it. You have promised the wrestling world that you'll walk across that line and shake my hand and tell the world I'm a better man if I win. That's a lot of incentive. Troy New York, get ready. The Nature Boy, woo! Bright lights, big cities, pretty ladies. Troy New York, I quit rules. Terry Funk, the Nature Boy, is going to walk that aisle. And in Troy New York, you're going to say, I quit. Woo!
4: Funk, quote unquote, retires after this match, becoming a commentator for a little while. Eventually, Funk would would also leave WCW a few months later. Flair gets back up in his feud with JTex as he calls them out on the Saturday show. The crowd goes wild when Ole and the recently returning Arn Anderson from the World Wrestling Federation, one half of the Brain Busters, join Flair to drive off Hart's men. The four horsemen have returned to the NWA slash WCW as faces, which wouldn't long last, though. Tully Blanchard was also destined to come back to WCW, he was desired, and things were in motion, plans were in place for him to return with Arn Anderson, but due to a drug test failure, Tully Blanchard did not return to World Championship Wrestling. Other feuds during that year had the Steiner brothers finally end Rick Steiner's war with the Varsity Club. Jim Cornette started managing the dynamic dudes, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas. The Dynamic Dudes upset the Midnight Express. Cornette turned on the dudes during the November Clash of Champions to a huge ovation from the crowd. Rick Steiner gained a girlfriend by the name of Robin Green, who later became Woman when she had a masked man attack his brother Scott. The team was named Doom, a masked team despite the fans recognizing them as Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. It was so cool. I liked their music. They eventually were managed by Teddy Long. The Great team. Big two, big tough guys. Love that tag team. Very underrated. Coming
7: up in just a few moments, but Champ, The Clash, 8, September 12th, right here live and free on TBS 805 starting time. It's been signed, Ric Flair. And Sting against Terry Funk and the great muda. that's going to be a dangerous situation with Dick Slater here. Well, Jim, let me give you the background on this. When
10: Turner Broadcasting System said they were going to put together the greatest wrestling organization in the history of the sport, they said Rick Flair, we want you to be part of it. I signed up, and I was first in line. And on September 12th... Hello! worldwide across this nation, I'm getting a dream come true. That's an opportunity to wrestle one of the greatest athletes in professional sports as my partner. And I'm talking about the stinger, that's what you call him, against the great Muda, Terry Funk, and Gary Hart. We asked for this match We asked Jim Hurd, we asked the National Wrestling Alliance to make this possible, and in Columbia, South Carolina, on the 12th of September, we got it. And you know what, Muda, I don't know what you look like, pal, but in Columbia, I'm going to wash that paint off your face with your own sweat. Terry Funk. Nobody likes blood and guts on national TV, but pal, you're gonna bleed and you're gonna sweat. You know why? Because this is NWA. Woo! And I say so. Woo! All right,
7: Nature Boy Ric Flair.
10: just say, Flying Brian's up next, and he's my kind
4: of man.
7: Woo! All right, fans, let's go.
4: The year ends with Starrcade 89, Night of the Iron Man, a round-robin tournament between singles wrestlers Sting, Flair, Luger, and Muda, and a tag-team tournament with the Road Warriors, the Steiners, Doom, and the Wild Samoans. Sting and the Warriors became winners as the Horsemen teased a turn on Sting. This was classic professional wrestling. The first full year of WCW is hot, but things would soon change next year as a new booker was in charge. After the amazing first year WCW had, it raised expectations in the year of 1990. After the amazing first year WCW had, people were loving this new wrestling-oriented, wrestling-based company. The World Wrestling Federation was glitz and glamour. WCW was for pure wrestling enthusiasts. At the helm was Jim Hurd, a man who did not know a lot about pro wrestling. He created the mass tag team of the Ding Dongs in 1989, thinking fans would like two idiots wearing and ringing bells throughout the match. With that being said... Jim Hurd was trying to build WCW for the future. He brought in a lot of young talent and was signing them to guaranteed contracts, believing it would pay off in the long run. In the beginning of 1990, the booking team was reorganized with Jim Ross, Kevin Sullivan, Ric Flair, Terry Funk, and Jim Cornette as its members flair cornett and sullivan were in charge of the matches while ross and funk oversaw the television production
7: jim ross back with you and as we mentioned i've been talking with jim Hurd during the commercial breaks here and mr Hurd i want to thank you for taking your time here on this this weekend to update us on this situation we heard earlier in the hour from dennis guthrie the attorney. For nature boy rick flair i understand that the board has reached a decision on this championship situation and we're happy that you're here to tell all the fans about it
2: well thank you jim and thanks for having me but before i uh, talk about the decision i you know i would like our fans to know that that we really don't care what uh, dennis guthrie uh rick flair's attorney has to say nor for that matter what rick flair has to say about the thing uh we're interested in in having a Uh, an ending that our fans are happy with. Uh, You know, Ric Flair has uh, uh, spent a career bending the rules, so we have made a decision. Uh, We've decided to rematch the two gentlemen. They've been notified uh, in Nashville on May 7th, and um, we're going to have uh, three special uh, judges for the thing, and uh, we're going to be sure that uh, there's a conclusive ending to this one uh, with no time limit or one-hour time limit uh,
7: on the show. Uh, Mr. Guthrie said he wanted a, a special referee and it seemed like the officiating was getting very, very uh, confusing as far as I'm concerned. I know that there's been a lot of controversy regarding the officiating, the officiating last uh, Sunday with uh, Teddy Long. We won't go into that right now. I know you've met about that situation as well. but uh, So there will be three judges. Uh, I understand from what we were talking before we went on the, we came on the air just a moment ago that we're looking at three former world champions to be judges, so it looks like we're going to have... Without a doubt, there must be a winner in this match on May 7th between Flair and Steamboat. Well, wow, there there will be a winner. The,
2: this, uh, this, you know, you never say last chance for anything, but uh, there will be a winner at this match.
7: Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you hear it. Uh, it was not due to the response of the lawyers, and Ric Flair's got plenty of them. It sounds like that the NWA, being the Wrestling Fans Association, listened to what the fans had to say, and... Uh, and that's where we are right now. Mr. Hurt, thank you for taking your time to be with us here this weekend. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so it'll happen on May the 7th. Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I also understand that, our, that we're having some interviews flown in, that uh, the gentlemen, they were notified last night, but it was kept under wraps. So Mr. Hurt could get out here today to make this official announcement. We will hear from Nature Boy, Ric Flair and also from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat about their thoughts surrounding May the 7th and the showdown in Nashville. But right now, let's go back to the ring and to the center stage.
4: Heard was pretty much leaving them alone at the time to focus on acquisitions for WCW. As 1989 ended, Sting was a member of the Horsemen along with Flair and the Andersons. Brian Pillman and Tom Zink were put together as a tag team and were quickly becoming a solid team together, joining already established teams such as the Midnight Express, the Steiners, Doom, the Road Warriors, the Freebirds, and the Skyscrapers, which consisted of a man you know now by the name of The Undertaker. The year began with Arn Anderson winning the NWA TV title from The Great Muta. This signified my interest in WCW. I like the wrestling aspect. I love the TV title concept. You must win the title or pin the champion, at the time, Arn Anderson, in a matter of 10 minutes, or Anderson would keep the title. I remember hearing the broadcast called by Jim Ross and it being so exciting. Is is Arn Anderson going to be defeated? Is he going to pin him in time? It made it so dramatic. And I definitely feel the TV title is underutilized in today's day and age. One, WWE does not even have a TV title, and TNA Impact doesn't even know what to do with the title. Their TV title, quite frankly, is a joke. Initially, when they renamed the global title the television title, AJ Styles said he was going to defend it every week you know, with TV time limit rules. I was excited, and then it was dropped the next week. Thinking about this championship makes me want to do a future beyond the bell where we talk about the prestigious championships in wrestling or the meaning of certain championships in the world of sports entertainment. So look for that in the coming weeks, in the next few months going into 2012 as we look back at the historic championships in professional wrestling. But the TV title was one of the specific things in WCW that set it apart from the WWF. That's during this era that's what made it so different because you had two distinct companies. Now instead of impact wrestling TNA being more WWE light, you had two distinct companies at that time before the Monday Night Wars. You had the entertainment, spectacular, movie making type of production with WWF and WCW had the serious competitive nature. Where a championship felt or meant something and it felt important to see a championship na- match on television. So you had two distinct companies, so for a wrestling fan, this was a dream. On February 6th came the Clash of the Champions 10, which had the hot angle of the four horsemen turning on the Stinger. At the end of the evening, a cage match between the horsemen, Flair, Arn, and Oli, against the JTEX Corp., Buddha, Buzz Sawyer, and the Dragon Master ended badly as Sting tried to climb over the cage to get to the horseman and ruptured his left patella tendon. The earlier angle was to set up a series between Sting and Flair which would result in Sting's first world title reign. However, the injury kept Sting out of the ring for six months, damaging the angle and the momentum that was built all around Sting over the last year. When he returned later that year, he never wrestled quite the same as before the injury, toning down his high-flying style to decrease the injury risk. Also on the show was the Steiners defeating Doom for their masks, revealing them to be whoever once sus- suspected all along, Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. Damn. Norman and Kevin Sullivan battled in a Falls Count Anywhere match and the famous match that Mick Foley mentions in his book between Cactus Jack and Mil Mascaris, where Jim Cornette announced that Cactus Jack is dead after a spectacular bump. Won't be the first time they say that in reference to Mick Foley. It was not long after this show that the J-Tex Corporation was disbanded, with the great Muda leaving the promotion. Muda didn't work another extended North American tour for nearly nine years. Less than a week after the clash, Pillman and Zink won an eight-team tournament for the U.S. tag team titles. Both men were being considered for the fourth horseman spot, since Tully wasn't there, and Sting gone, though Pillman had the advantage because of his friendship with Flair. A great angle was done in late February where the Midnight Express injured Brian Pillman's throat with Jim Cornette's tennis racket and stole the U.S. title belts. In February, Oli Anderson's role in the Horseman was decreasing as the booking committee removed him as an in-ring performer. Oli's age had caught up with him, and he didn't look good in the ring anymore. wasn't as crisp. However, Ric Flair was under fire at this time, and the workers thought he was booking the matches in his favor to make himself look good. Flair resigned in early March, and Jim Hurd with Jim Barnett, former Georgia Championship wrestling promoter, were overseeing the booking team. Jim Crockett is also added as the team developed and is now comprised of Crockett, Hurd, Ross, Barnett, Cornett, Sullivan, and Wahoo McDaniel. Also added were Jody Hamilton and Terry Funk. Sullivan and Cornette's influence was dropping as they were allies of Flair's. The new booking team killed the Pillman injury angle and had Pillman and Zink steal the titles back, which killed any heat blow up between the two teams. The feud faltered and the Midnight Express were having problems even keeping their jobs. Also, as Sting was injured, they needed someone to fight the Horseman in his place. They chose Lex Luger. Who was turned heel about seven months earlier and turned him back as a babyface? Kind of reminds you of like today's storylines where things are twisted and turned back and forth. We see it a, more often in, in, in TNA than WWF, but it's more prevalent now in the world in the world of WWE or the WWE universe. But here, back in the late '80s, early '90s, this was done out of necessity, and it wasn't necessarily the best decision. But these were the reasons why it took place. Now it's kind of hard to question the actions that are taken now with the booking team.
7: Jimmy Crockett put Jim Crockett Promotions out of business. He started playing in the big leagues,
2: had some ideas, but if he'd have stuck with the same thing his father did, he'd still be a multimillionaire today.
9: If I had brought in a a good business manager two years earlier, we probably would have been further along in the expansion.
3: If they'd stayed between baltimore and chicago they'd still be in business
9: a what if i mean if a bullfrog had wings it wouldn't bump its rear end if ad sales had run a year ahead because you know we had a ton of money on the books but we weren't going to get that money for a period
8: of time and speaking of excitement right here the world heavyweight champion nature boy rick flair rick welcome back
10: well i couldn't have said it better myself excitement It's what the professional wrestling world is all about. And there's only one man. Can you imagine this?
3: Now I'm going to start at the top. About two weeks ago, I beat up Wahoo McDaniel so bad. I beat him up so
10: bad that I thought he'd get the hint.
3: Wahoo, leave Flair alone. But they say that the decision was controversial, so Jimmy Crockett... (laughs) Can you imagine it's one of the wealthiest men in the world? I'm talking about Jimmy Crockett, Jr. Has the nerve as the president of the NWA to go right to
10: the board of directors and say, I want Flair, fine, and I want a rematch ordered for Wahoo, McDaniels, and Flair. You know what the NWA did? They stuck by the champion. And you know what? Unprecedented. Don't get excited about this. Just buy tickets next time I'm in town. Now, let
3: me tell you something you know what Jim Crockett did now this is unprecedented in a power move brother he resigned as the president of the National
10: Wrestling Alliance the biggest governing body in all of professional wrestling he resigned trying to force the board of directors and brother
3: it's not going to happen Crockett I don't care if you're one of the wealthiest men in the United States of America or not Ric Flair got the World Heavyweight Championship
10: and you're not power play moving me around you're not pushing National Wrestling Alliance around. I taught Wahoo a lesson. I just played, whether you like it or not, and the greatest wrestler in the world of all time. The world heavyweight champion and Crockett.
3: Think about this, brother. If the NWA does back you up and I have to come back here, I'm going to hurt Wahoo McDaniel so bad, he won't be around here anymore. You go to bed tonight thinking about that. In the meantime, brother, think about the days when you used to push me around. Yeah, you
10: were a big man, but now I'm a big man, too, Crockett. I'm a big man, too, and I got lots of money. You understand that? And I don't care how much money you got, I'll match you because you made me, and now I'm the world champion. Love it, Daddy.
8: World champion Ric Flair fans, you heard it all. You heard it right from him. And we're going to watch him in action in the ring in just a moment. But first, we're going to take time out right here for this message. What is
4: this? Right around this time, it was announced that Ole Anderson was the new head booker. Ole was the booker for Georgia Championship Wrestling when the promotion's television time was sold to the WWF back in 1984. Ole ran the company like the old regional promotion style that everyone knows Oli loves to do, and the style was pushing people who were loyal to him. Oli also didn't like Hurd's contract system, thinking it undermined his power, which I can sort of understand. He thought Hurd was giving the new guys too much money, especially since he could get Tommy Rich and the Iron Sheik for the same amount of money that Brian Pillman was making. Kind of similar to the NFL situation? He started targeting the younger talent that heard signed and jobbing them out. If they quit, like Cactus Jack did in June, then he would replace them with workers that were loyal to him. Oli brought in such people as Paul Orndorff, the Iron Sheik, Buddy Landell, Bob Orton, and the Junkyard Dog. Also brought in were Thunderbolt Patterson, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, Ivan Koloff, Tim Horner, Stan Hansen, and Brett Armstrong. Even Mr. Wrestling 2 made an appearance. The promotion started looking like it was stuck in a time warp, with the pushed guys being stars of the Georgia Championship Wrestling Show from six years earlier. WCW was starting to look dated. Barry Windham and Sid Vicious joined the Four Horsemen as Luger battle Flair for the world title. It was obvious that they were just buying their time for Sting's return as they came up with some contrived way to keep the title on Flair. The match at Capital Combat between Flair and Luger was put inside a steel cage. As it was built, finally to have a one-on-one encounter without the horseman being able to interfere. They had the horseman get to the cage, basically take control over the cage, and raise it so the horseman could get in anyway. Capital Combat was also notable as the Midnight Express beat Zenk and Pillman for the U.S. tag team titles and Doom defeated the Steiners for the world title. However, Capital Combat is best known for one of the worst angles ever to take place in wrestling history. The movie RoboCop 2 was about to be released by Turner's movie division and they wanted some publicity from their popular wrestling program. Instead of just running promos, they turn Robocop into a character on the show as Sting's enforcer against the Horseman. Yes, you heard me right, wrestling fans. Or should I say students. Sting was put in a cage by the Horseman, Robocop bends the bars to free him, and the Horseman has to sell being afraid of him. This was just terrible. This, This was known or to this day it's known, RoboCop and the Shockmaster, as two of the biggest blunders in WCW history.
7: I understand Gordon Soley is staying about ready to come out. Gordon, are you there? Well, I think we're going to Gordon Soley. We should be about ready for the yeah, appearance give of him off. Uh, Forgive me for interrupting, but it looks like something's going on down here. The doors have opened. Security men are coming out. And it looks like, yes, it is indeed Sting and RoboCop. Ladies and gentlemen, we apologize for uh, for that. Uh, someone per- per- apparently has grabbed the camera. Let's go back to Gary Capetta. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Capetta.
5: And ladies and gentlemen, the nation's number one law enforcer, he serves the public trust, protects the innocent, upholds the law, the ultimate peace officer, Robocop!
7: Great ovation for Robocop as he makes his way to the ring. He'll be coming into our camera view here. Now, the wait a minute, the horsemen are out of sting in the cage they just threw sting in the cage that cornet was in sting has been caged by the horsemen but here comes robocop bob Sid vicious only anderson
5: are anderson they all attacked him threw him into the cage
7: but look at robocop now as he's approaching he is not they're, in- back, they're backing away from him he's not intimidated bob robocop going right to the cage this deal when we get down you? Oh, gosh almighty. He's pulling that door right off the
5: hinges. Whoa. Woohoo! What strength uh, by Robocop. Uh, and now uh, you want a piece of him, Horseman.
10: <laughs> Look at Ole and harness and, and Big Sid back up.
7: And the expression on their faces is, what the heck have we got here? They say there'll be another day when, when Anderson, when Ole Anderson saw Robocop pull down
5: steel door right off the cage they said we better wait for another day sting and robocop have asserted themselves here sting looks phenomenal he looks to be 100 percent bob he and his buddy robocop i tell you the horseman wanted no part of either of those especially the stinger and robocop let's go back up now to gary capetta ladies and gentlemen there's much more wrestling action to come but a reminder
4: Soon after, Zink and Pillman were separated as tag partners, with their spot being taken by the Rock and Roll Express. After the Capitol Combat Show, the dudes with attitudes, the Steiner brothers, Junkyard Dog, and Paul Orndorff, originally called the Superheroes, not a great name initially, were formed as a face group to oppose the Horsemen. This group only lasted two months, as they were there to fight the Horsemen until Sting's return at the Great American Bash in July. The group's last appearance was at the bash in Sting's corner, again biding time until the Stinger could return to action. Oli's most flagrant attempt at jobbing out the younger talent yet happens at the bash as Tom Zink is squashed by newcomer Big Van Vader in just over two minutes, with Oli calling for the finish before Zink's comeback. The morale backstage among the younger workers was dropping, as Ollie continues to job them out to his loyal workers. is it true
6: that a lot of the younger guys were demoralized after you squashed Tom Zink to Vader? After what? After uh, Tom Zink got squashed by Vader. Uh, uh, the locker room. Tom Zink got mm-hmm. squashed by Van Vader? Right. He was the Z-Man, I believe. And uh, What happened? I think Vader went up and squashed him pretty much, and a lot of the guys in the locker room who were his size figured that you know they were never going to get the big push or anything like that because of their size and that you were you know booking the big guys pretty much instead of the the smaller type guys what's the theory that you say you've got there was, there was, all right let me let me repeat the question <laughs> is it true that a lot of the younger guys maybe you don't even know about it but is it true that a lot of the younger guys were demoralized after you squashed Tom Zink to Vader mm. To be honest with you, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, that goes back to the first question you asked. You said, "Are you trying to get rid of the younger guys?" Right. Why? Okay. Were they worth a shit? Depends who. Huh. Well, I mean, if they were good, well, you kept them. In- uh, if they weren't worth a shit, I wouldn't use them to begin with. Gotcha. But if they were good, why would I want to? Did I get? Did I kill Tommy Rich? No. Well, how you come? Mean? <laughs> why would I kill these guys and don't kill Tommy Rich? What did Tommy Rich have? He didn't have any kind of a body. Good-looking guy, I guess some girls would say. Right. But there was nothing about the guy that would make him be a wrestler. So, if you're telling me that somebody else, like a Tom Zink or who else, I was killing this guy, what the hell, why wouldn't I have killed Tommy Rich? Right. So the idea and the theory is sitting, is, is in the minds
4: of some of these guys that don't know their butt from a hole. Ole is even bringing in some very green wrestlers to replace departing wrestlers, such as... Alan Iron Eagle, J.W. Smith, and Brian Lee. One report had Iron Eagle being taught his finishing move in the hallway two minutes before his match was about to begin. Even worse, the house show attendance and ratings were starting to drop and as the promotion is being booked so badly. How badly, you could say? Three words. The Black Scorpion. Sting.
6: Whose idea was
4: it for the uh, Black Scorpion?
6: Where was that yeah. going to go? Well, look at the ring. Look at the ring. When you see the Black Scorpion, now you'll know who the real champion is. What exactly uh, was the storyline? It was good enough. It was yeah? good. It was good. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Okay. <laughs> i just off camera and do that, you know, and blah blah. I did it just as a joke and a half. Heard was after me because he didn't like the damn card that I put together for a bunch of matches. And he said, didn't like him, didn't like him, didn't like him, didn't like him. Didn't like him. I said, I said... That's what it's got to be, that's all. Well, he said, he wanted to see something else. He said, they like, all oh, that damn crap that you got on that damn card. So I went back to my office, and I wrote down Black Scorpion and Stanger, huh. who the hell ever was. Right. And one or two of the names. And I handed that damn card back to him. He said, now nah, you're learning. Because I put down the Black Scorpion. Right. He thought that was the answer. And I didn't even know what the hell a Black Scorpion was going to be. I had no idea. No idea at all. So what I did to begin with, if you ever saw the, I don't the think vignette. i got a taste of it? Yeah. I just had everybody dress up with a mask or whatever it might be and called him the Black scorpion. And then I went off camera, uh, you know, with right. the microphone. Well, stink. You know, and did my little BS. And that's how we worked the black scorpion. But when he fired me, finally, the black scorpion had only been in effect for about maybe a month, a month and a half. And it was getting over, for Christ's sake. That was the funny thing about it. I, I thought it would... Right, and I did a couple double deals up in Cleveland. I think it was, or maybe it was Columbia. I don't know which it was, but I did a deal where one guy was dressed up like the Black Scorpion, and he disappeared. I had a guy who was a magician. I forgot how the hell he did all that crap. Right, but the guy just disappeared, and there he was on the stage automatically. Another guy dressed up as a Black Scorpion. Right, but the people thought, "Holy balls!" You know. Here he was, right there in the ring, and he just disappeared. And he showed up over there. They thought there was really something. I thought, well, I hated the idea to begin with, but it was my idea. I said, it's working. People are buying it. Piss on it. Let it go. Who did you uh, actually want to put in, in that mask in the end? I can't tell you exactly what I was thinking, but I know this. Dusty screwed everything up. Just He took it and from me. I don't remember all the different things I was going to do, but I had some really involved bullshit to begin with. And I think one of the first things I was doing was that... It was Rick, right? Yeah, it turned out to be Rick in the cage. No, 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 that was that was dusty shit. Right. Who was he working with? It was, with anybody who was a black scorpion, who was he working with? Anybody in particular? No, the whole program was supposed to be built around Sting. Okay. Well, I was going to have Sting then pull that mask off, and whoever it was going to be—not Ric, Ric Flair. That Ric Flair—that was Dusty. So he just—he screwed everything up. I was going to have him pull the mask off, and whoever it was, everybody would think that's the guy. Night, it might—it'll be just you anybody, anybody. Right. right down. And then you'd hear once again. Well, Sting, we fooled you once again or whatever the hell I was going to do. right? And then have the real Black Scorpion, supposedly, show up on the stage or wherever, and sting, looking at the guy and realizing now he's made a mistake that he didn't really get the real Black Scorpion. Right. So he's got the same damn problems he's always had. Okay. And I don't remember all the different things I was going to do, but I had a whole bunch of crap and Ric Flair, I mean, uh, Dusty Rhodes came out and just made it Ric Flair and that was out. Man. And it just ended.
7: There is only one Black Scorpion, and there is the man that we have waited to finally see in the ring with the heavyweight champion. If he fails to win the title tonight, he must unmask.
3: The Black Scorpion was a character that Ole Anderson thought of. I don't know where Ole, he must have been high that day, and Ole doesn't get high, so I'm still not sure where he got, came from, but... The guy, I not want to mention his name because it's so insignificant that was supposed to be the Black Scorpion, decided before he was supposed to make his first appearance that he didn't want to do business.
2: This is the
10: real Black Scorpion. No more messengers, no more tricks. One-on-one in a cage, and finally we're going to either find out who he is, or this guy becomes the heavyweight champion of the
5: world. The Black, Black! Scorpion is Ric Flair! It's danger boy, Ric Flair! Sting won the title! The Black Scorpion was Nature Boy Rip Flair.
3: I was the Black Scorpion in St. Louis, in the ring that night, and in the hotel till 7 a.m. Brother, <laughs> Sting, it's me, the Black Scorpion. That was another <laughs> tragic moment in my life. Terrible. Everybody knew it was me. Didn't matter. It was terrible. The whole setup.
11: In the annual large show, again, is a starcade. Uh, where you came as a masked, you were the Black Scorpion, mm-hmm. and you uh, you know, ended this uh, this whole Black Scorpion storyline with Sting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you were originally supposed to be the Black Scorpion.
3: No, I was supposed to be in a tag match that Aaron and Barry had with Doom. We had no, we had no. Al Perez quit. He was going to be the Black Scorpion.
11: Did he not do this role just because he, he was told that he was going to be losing? At the end of the match. Was That's
3: it? what I was told. I don't know. I didn't have the conversation with him. Whatever, the, whatever his decision was, it was the wrong decision. You just figured it in. You know. Well,
11: from the from the moment it started, the, the, with only doing the voices over the thing, did you did, did you cringe and think what a what a bad idea this was? Yep. And how long before the Starcade match did they inform you that you would be? Well, no, I volunteered for it. Oh, you volunteered? Yeah, just to try to make the best of a bad situation. Well, it was either
3: me or Barry. You know, I just said why? Why put Barry in that role? I mean, in, in, in other words, it wasn't going to hurt me. It just hurt me mentally. It wasn't going to hurt me, Ric Flair. But it didn't didn't do anything to upset the flow of my career. But you know, Iron, we had Iron and Tully. Arn and Barry were both hot, right? And uh, I think they wanted Barry to do it and put Mar and me in a tag match. And I said, no, okay, I'll just be the Black Scorpion. Let's just make it easy. Because I had good chemistry with staying, you know. You would either hide me or hide Barry. How could you hide Barry? I mean, you couldn't hide me, so how are you going to hide Barry? Right. And, uh, you know, it would have left Barry with, no, with nothing to do afterwards. Just left me in the middle of more controversy. In re- I mean, in a good way. Not for me personally, but didn't hurt my persona in the business. just hurt me personally.
4: After winning the title from Flair at the Great American Bash, a mystery man who claimed to be from Sting's past appeared to M- menace Sting, basically. Who was this man in question? Not even Oli Anderson knew, and he was the guy who created the angle. Oli had the guy doing magic tricks and multiple people... Mostly jobbers were donning the mask, which we discussed during our Halloween Havoc edition. The feud had no heat. The worst part, only had someone working for him at the time who fit the Black Scorpion's backstory, the Angel of Death, who was associated with Power Team USA with Sting when they first got into the business. But it didn't work out that way. The problem started getting to be too big for Jim Hurd to ignore. Paul Orndorff quit, refusing to job to Stan Hansen. House show attendance had fallen to record low levels. Ironically, Oli, and... Oli had two house teams, the guys he was pushing and the guys he wasn't. The unpushed guys were drawing more fans to their shows. Herd and Oli started arguing about Oli's direction. Mean Marcallis left to undertake some new opportunities, despite getting a push and would make a splash in the World Wrestling Federation. You know him as The Undertaker. In October, Jim Cornette and Stan Lane quit. The Nasty Boys left for the WWF not long after participating in a big angle at Halloween Havoc. Also at the Halloween Havoc came yet another bad angle that was killing Sting's heat as world champion. It was Sting against Sid Vicious, and they tried to make it look like Sting was pinned and lost the title to Vicious. Only the Sting that was pinned... A few inches taller, he seemed, and not as muscular as the one who started the match. Barry Wyndham impersonated Sting after the brawl went to the back. Sting comes out to expose the imposter and keeps the title, but very few people were fooled by Wyndham. We spoke about this in more detail. Check it back on the archives, the Halloween Havoc edition. By November, Oli was trying to keep his job. Oli's last major show was Clash of the Champions 13 in late November. A look at that card shows a change in Oli's booking ways, as the talent that Oli was pushing during his tenure losing on the clash, if they appeared at all. It was too little, too late, though. Oli was released in early December. WW lost approximately five to seven million dollars that year, and Oli was only booker just over six months. Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, Kevin Sullivan, and Ric Flair took over the booking, until Heard could appoint a new head booker. The new booking team immediately started dropping or de-emphasizing a lot of the workers only brought in, such as JYD, the Iron Sheik, the Night Stalker, who was Brian Clark, Rocky King, among others. December ended with Star K90, Collision Course, Featuring the Pat O'Connor Tag Team Tournament, teams included in the tourney were Conan and Rey Mysterio, who represented Mexico; Chris Adams and Norman Smiley, who represented the United Kingdom; Muda and Mr. Saito, Japan representation; Jack Victory and Rip Morgan, New Zealand; the Steiners for the USA, plus teams representing South America or South Africa, uh, as well as the USSR and Canada, which consisted of Danny Johnson and Troy Montour. The Steiners ended up winning the tourney. I like the idea, making an an Olympic-style feel. I thought it was a pretty good idea. Also, Luger defeated Stan Hansen to regain the U.S. title. Doom retained the NWA tag team titles over Arn and Barry Windham. Windham replaced Flair in that match as Flair went under the black scorpion mask to bring an end to the angle. Sting retained the title with Dick the Bruiser as special referee. On WCW Saturday Night, Tom Zink defeated Arn Anderson for the TV title. The match got the Saturday Night Show its highest rating since February, a great live reaction to the show. Maybe the new booking committee could get things on track. However, the new team was not going to get a chance. All
10: four of them, Ric Flair, Sting!
7: Gentlemen, Rick Flair on your left, the world's heavyweight champion, Sting, Arn Anderson, Oli Anderson, the four horsemen, the most physical entourage in the sport today.
5: Whether you like him or whether you don't like him, you've got to say the four greatest individual wrestlers right now in the world. Four very diverse dressing styles as well. Flair's in a $10,000 suit, Sting's in a Western outfit, Arn's the casual look, and only johnny cash
7: he's won the johnny cash award for the man dressed in black the horsemen are so physical but they are the elite group in our sport and now let's go back down to terry funk you know i want to say
8: one thing that you four men are tough and tough is an attitude i like to think that i have that attitude but i know that you horsemen have it I know that you haven't, Oli. Let me ask you a question. You want to just do something and hang on that microphone, or you want me to hang on to it? Let me
10: just say one thing, Terry. When we have an opportunity to get together on national television, we always make a statement. And tonight, once again, the horsemen are going to make a statement. And on behalf of the horsemen, the spokesman, Ole Anderson, has a few words
8: we want to make sure that everybody all around the country has an opportunity to hear what I'm about to say and I want you in particular to pay attention to its thing because you're the reason we're here tonight I want you to know you're not going to be a horseman anymore it's over no more horsemen for the state, yeah don't close your mouth a second I'm going to explain something to you. I want everybody to listen real close and you listen real close. When Rick called me and called Iron to come in here, it was for one reason. And the reason he called us in here was to get rid of you. Well, I tell you, now just be quiet. There's, There's three of us standing here and there's one of you. Just wait a second one thing that nobody looked for and nobody could figure was when you jumped in and helped rick against this guy we held off a little later in the iron man contest we came in that ring and we were ready to stick your head in the sand again as we came through the ring rick gave us this pay attention rick gave us that sign and waved us off you were spared for the second time And then something that nobody would have ever dreamed could happen, happened. When you became one of us, a horseman, and you were a good horseman, no argument about it. You're a great wrestler, you're a tough, strong kid, but you did the one unforgivable thing that we can never forget. You know what that was? When you signed that match to meet Ric Flair for the world title on February 25th, you signed your death warrant Mm -hmm. are you listen now I'm gonna tell you what I said to Rick we all agreed we should just stop you right now but Rick says no no now he helped me one time we let him live one time but on one condition and the condition is this you go to the promoter you go to Mr. Jim Ross or whoever you gotta talk to and you tell him that you're gonna cancel that contract with this man wait a minute get over here no, you just you're listen too far. No, you listen to me, you listen real good anybody even a blind man could see there's three of us and there's only one of you we're gonna spare your life you got about two hours to make up your mind what you're gonna do and I'm telling you right now it's only because of his nice kindness that we're gonna let you live right here Two hours, you make up your mind, you go tell Ross, you tell everybody in the world on this national TV that you're going to give up that chance at the world title. You understand? You a chance.
10: Sting, I bought you a little time because of what you've done. Nah,
8: you're too easy. The whole deal is this you got two hours to make up your mind. And you're no longer a horseman, and if we ever see you again, you're not going to be quite so lucky well, I mean, as you are I mean, tonight. I mean, wait a
5: minute, wait a minute, Hey, wait a minute. I want
10: to oh. go. Come on. Look at this. Way to Way to I am trying to tell you, I want you sometimes. I do the fuckers. Fuckers. Get out of this business
5: that Get out of, my life. You're good. Get out of my life. I cannot believe this. This is the greatest thing uh, I've ever seen in my go life! Go. Get out of here. Oh! This is pathetic. Ric Flair, absolutely
7: pathetic. He gave the guy a chance. Well, he gave the guy a chance. Yeah, you're a big chance, fans. We're gonna, we'll be right back. This continues live. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Well, I am indeed, and uh, first of all, I I really don't understand this action at all.
8: Well, I explained everything very clearly, but evidently, Mr. Sting still doesn't understand. The time is almost up, Sting. You're not meeting the conditions. We let you slide once, we let you slide twice, but we sure as heck ain't going to let you slide a third time. I tell you what, Sting, you got just a few seconds. You better go tell that promoter that the 25th is off. If you don't,
7: you're a dead man. Well,
8: you know, there's no well.
10: There's no two ways. It's bottom line. You're looking at the most elite wrestling group in the world, and things forget yesterday. You heard the ultimatum. If you don't get that release when we get back from this cage match, we're gonna find you in this building, or in the streets of Corpus Christi. You owe me. Now the dues are paid. You owe us. You got one last chance to release. Because, pal, you're looking at Ric Flair and the horseman. And the bottom line is whether you like it or you don't like it, Learn to love it.
4: We'll be right back. And that will lead us into Chapter 4 of WCW 101. The American Dream comes in as the new booker. Promotional consideration paid
0: for by the following. TuneIn Premium has all the radio you want for $7.99
7: a month. That's all the radio you want for $7.99 a month. That means every single Major League Baseball game, every single NFL game, the most massive collection of commercial-free radio stations in the world, over 5.5 million podcasts, and unlimited access to 40,000 audiobooks. Download the TuneIn Radio app for a free 7-day trial of TuneIn Premium. TuneIn Premium. Boundless audio.
0: You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Beyond the Bell. You can listen to Beyond the Bell on iTunes, Player.fm, the SNS Radio Network, Podbay.fm, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our official website, BTBcast.com. Connect socially on Facebook and Twitter at BTBcast. Watch retro videos on our official YouTube channel, BTBcast Network. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be sent to contact at BTBcast.com. Bcast.com. Go old school with Beyond the Bell.
1: As we close the books on Chapter Three, we move ahead. In the history of World Championship Wrestling, the Ted Turner era has arrived. The early stages were covered, and we look ahead to our next edition, Chapter 4. As Jim Hurd departs, WCW enters into a dream period as Dusty Rhodes becomes the head booker as World Championship Wrestling Enters the 1990s. This edition's research is courtesy of DDT Digest, History of WWE.com, IWheadlines.com, LegacyofWrestling.com, The Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and the PW Torch. Audio courtesy of WWE's History of the World Heavyweight Championship and the rise and fall of WCW. So that wraps up Chapter 3, my pro wrestling family, and I'll see you next time for Chapter 4. We enter the 90s in WCW history. This is your host, Sean Peckerman signing off. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Bell.
0: Remember to always keep it old school, my friends.